Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Well, good morning, everybody. It's, it's a real honor to be here. And yeah, thank you to Ian and to Master Mark as well for having us here. Um, but everyone's been so welcoming already to both my husband, Tom, who's here with me today, and myself. And so it's a joy to be here and to worship with you. When I was pastoring previously, it was in worship. So I always feel extra thankful for those that serve in worship week in and week out so that we can gather together in joy in that way. Um, But before we get into our message today, how about we just pray together? Lord, we thank you for the joy that can come when we gather together. We thank you for the encouragement and the filling of your spirit that comes when we gather together. And so, Lord, we just want to make the most of every moment we have here now today as your people to worship you and to hear from you and to rest in you. And so, Lord, we just open up our hearts and our ears and our minds and our lives now to you as we come to your word, as we seek to learn, and as we seek to grow in our frontline mission throughout our weeks, Lord. So we just get on our knees now and, and humble ourselves before you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so recently I learned about a really incredible woman of faith. Her name was Susanna Wesley, and she had a really, really challenging but still very inspiring life. She was the wife of a pretty penniless minister who abandoned her once for a year and also ended up imprisoned twice due to financial mismanagement. Her house burnt down twice in her lifetime. And while she gave birth to 19 children, which is a feat in its own right, nine of them died in infancy. And her name might sound a little bit familiar to you because two of those 10 children that survived past infancy were John and Charles Wesley. And so today, part of her legacy is that she's known as the mother of the Methodist denomination. And at one point when her husband was absent for one reason or another, the town that she lived in had a substitute minister. And she'd watched him for some time delivering sermons and sharing the gospel And she found him and his skills a little bit lacking. And so she actually started giving Sunday school lessons to her children in her kitchen. But after not long, some of the neighbors caught wind and they asked if they could come along and if they could bring their children to these Sunday school lessons. And before long, this group had grown to around 200 people. They had to move out of her tiny kitchen into the local barn so that they could meet every single Sunday. She's known to have said, I look upon every soul under my charge as a talent committed to me under a trust. She saw motherhood as a vocation from God. She took it incredibly seriously, but I think it's also safe to assume that she saw this Sunday ministry and all of those who were a part of it as incredibly precious as well. Susanna has an incredible legacy. And I think that stories like this, they tend to light a little bit of a fire in us. We want our lives as well to count for something for the kingdom of God. And we very likely will not end up being the mother of a denomination or have a ministry that 200 people want to be a part of. But that was her front line. That was what God had given her to do in her life. And as you at Windsor Road know, each one of you have your own front lines that you attend to day in, day out, that you want to be faithful in, that you want to see fruit born in. 
But sometimes I think in spite of that desire, there is a fear that can kind of take a hold. It threatens to extinguish that little flame. We have doubts like, well, I just, I'm not spiritually gifted enough. I don't have the skills to be able to minister the way that I want to on the front lines. Sometimes we think we're just going to miss the opportunities that maybe God has a moment where we can speak to someone or go and serve and we just won't hear him and that's it. And we're never going to catch those opportunities to be fruitful. The reality is, is that we wake every morning and we know what's on our to-do list for the day and we want that work to matter for the kingdom of God. But sometimes we can feel a little bit alone It's not like Jesus is sitting in the desk next to us physically in the office. It's not like we can hear the Holy Spirit audibly yell to us or put up a neon billboard saying, there's an opportunity, go catch that wave, I'm doing something. We want to be useful. We want to grow better and better at following God's leading. But sometimes we worry that we'll get in our own way, that we won't see that fruit on our front lines that we so long to see. And so today we are going to journey through John 15, a very well-known passage if you have your Bibles with you today and would like to follow along. These are some of the final words of Jesus to his disciples as he was heading towards the cross and would no longer be physically by their side in the way that he had been for so long. These verses fall right in the middle of Jesus' sort of final conversations with the disciples before his death and his resurrection. And this passage we're looking at today discusses the nature and the purpose of the relationship the disciples should have with Jesus and each other after he's left them. Jesus has a real chance here to prepare the disciples for life and ministry. They've had three years where they have seen miracles and they've been living with Jesus. They've been in relationship with him. But things are about to change dramatically for the 12 disciples despite the fact that their discipleship journey and their mission is only just beginning. And so we will see some of the encouragement that Jesus has for them as they embark on this new season of faith and of ministry and how that can encourage each one of us on our front lines as we are awaiting for chances to glorify God and to bear fruit for the kingdom. So if you want to read through these first few verses of John 15. Verses 1 to 8. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We see in these words that Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples that fruitful ministry, a fruitful life once he's left them is not only possible, but it's a guarantee under that condition that they remain in him. 
That word remain, in some translations, it's abide. You might have in your Bibles. It just cannot be ignored. I just read it seven times in the verses that we just looked at, and it comes up 11 times in total in the whole passage that we're going to look at today. Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you, as he has remained in the Father. There is obviously something so important in this idea. The Greek word that Jesus is using there, its root is meno. It means to remain as one, not to depart or to be held and to be kept, to endure in. And Jesus uses this imagery of a vine and its branches to explain that interwoven, intimate relationship. And the grapevine was a really familiar metaphor for the Jewish people, but also in the ancient world, there was a lot of vines around and about. Often, however, when the Israelites were being called a vine throughout the Old Testament, it's because they weren't bearing fruit. It was often a prophet saying, you're a vine, but I'm not seeing any fruit. You're not doing your job. But here Jesus begins to take some of that sort of onus off of Israel. This is his final I am statement of the gospel of John. Already we've seen that he says he's the bread of life. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world. And here he tells his disciples he is the true vine. Jesus is shifting something in this familiar metaphor to say to them, they must now see themselves as branches stemming from this vine to see this kingdom fruit come into their lives. And I think it's still a really natural question to ask. Okay, well, how are the disciples going to remain in Jesus when he's not physically with them anymore? What does that mean? How is that possible? And Jesus has begun to tease that out with the disciples back in chapter 14. He tells them he's going to have to leave. He's making a way for them to be one with the Father again. But he explains that when he does leave, he will send the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit will remain, it's that word meno again, in the disciples, just as they are to remain in Jesus. He wanted them to understand that his physical absence didn't mean that they would be spiritually separated from Jesus, that the beautiful, mysterious indwelling of the Holy Spirit would keep them connected to him, would keep that relationship alive and thriving And so the disciples would be able to remain in the vine, to abide with Jesus through this empowering of the Holy Spirit. But when it came to bearing fruit, Jesus also tries to make it really clear here, it's not by their own might that they are going to see this fruit come. It is through the life-giving power of the vine, through Jesus, that this fruit will be seen. We're told that the branches need to be pruned to be able to grow and bear this fruit. And we've all had experiences in our life where we feel disciplined or we feel like we're being stretched by the Lord as the Holy Spirit guides us. We know that's a part of being a faithful follower. But seeing fruit come to bear is a divine gift and a privilege that comes from living close to Jesus. And that means for us today too, as we head out from this place to our front lines, to worship, to serve, we can remain, we can abide in Jesus because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we need to remain in Jesus to see the fruit of the kingdom of God come to bear. These verses remind us that we're not supposed to walk around trying to manipulate people or circumstances to force that fruit to come to sprout. We aren't supposed to try and coerce people to see these things come to bear. 
but that when we remain in Jesus, as we are taught by the Spirit, we see this fruit come. We see this ability to show love and joy and peace and patience. We see miracles. We see answered prayer. We do see salvations because of the work of our Lord in our lives and in our world. This fruit and these gifts are from the Lord, and we have to understand that they grow organically from his goodness. I really, I really love Christmas and I love decorating at Christmas time. I've got a picture of um, some trees from one of our big church carol celebrations in years gone by, but some in my own house as well. Baubles, lights, I've got flowers on my tree at home. But I think sometimes we look at our lives and we look at ministry a little bit more like decorating a Christmas tree than we do a vine and branches that are to bear fruit. We think if we can put the right things on, a bit of church, a little bit of service, if we can do the right things and say the right things, then we have a life that's bearing godly fruit. We think if we can convince other people to put those same things into their lives that they will be bearing fruit. But if it comes from the wrong heart, if it doesn't come from that dependence on Jesus, then we're just kidding ourselves. We're loading up our branches with a whole bunch of plastic, a whole bunch of flashy stuff. True transformative life and ministry comes from that closeness with Jesus, that dependence on the Holy Spirit to see fruit come to bear. And Jesus promises here that it will. There will be pruning we have to listen, but that means we're being readied for growth, it means that we're being ready to see blessings in our lives and in our front lines too. But we know that it doesn't mean that we can just be completely passive, right? We don't just wake up and think, I'm a branch, so I just get to sit around and wait for the fruit to come. We still go to work, we still have to talk, we still have to relate with people in our day-to-day life. And so we're going to read through verses 9 to 17, and we begin to see a little bit of what this abiding in action looks like. How do we grow and and go along the way of our day to day? And so Jesus continues, and he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus describes that this abiding in him, this process by which we're going to see fruit, looks like friendship. It looks like loving service with both himself but also with other disciples, with other followers of Jesus. Making new friends can be really, really hard. And I think the older we get, it seems like more and more of a struggle to be that one to step out and make the first move, to be a little bit vulnerable, to try and connect. 
But Jesus never ever puts us in that position in the kingdom of God. At any point where we come to meet him, he's loved us and he has served us in powerful ways first. He tells his disciples that they are his friends, that he chose them. He makes it clear he's not a boss. He's made known to them who he is, what he values, how they should live. Different writing from Jesus' day describes sort of these key values of friendship as being loyalty and intimacy and openness. And we can see in these verses, but also all throughout the Gospels, that this is certainly the kind of friendship that Jesus extends to his disciples. And so we can think then, well, if remaining in the vine, if abiding with Jesus means being loved, means being given joy, means having a true friend, then what a beautiful invitation that is. That's the sort of invitation that is worth responding to. And so it's out of that friendship from Jesus, characterized by service and transparency and love and joy, that we find ourselves compelled to serve him compelled to love him in return. This is why abiding in Jesus means that obedience can be willing. We don't do it out of coercion. We obey as a response to that friendship and love from our Lord. Abiding in Jesus means living a life, giving him attention, desiring to please him, living with the same values and heart, which all affects the way that we live. But we see here that it's not just this friendship with Jesus that matters, but also deep, servant-hearted, loving friendship with our brothers and sisters in the faith as well. This is the second time in these verses that Jesus has told the disciples to love one another as he has loved them. We first see it earlier in John chapter 13, where he washes the disciples' feet. He's trying to explain to them the kind of service and humility that should be a part of their life as he leads up to this statement that they should love each other. And we can see here again, he's so clearly trying to explain to them that their friendship should be characterized by sacrifice, humility. It should be loving and it should be true. And so, yes, while we can only bear fruit in our lives through remaining in Jesus, abiding in that relationship, to be truly faithful and to be connected to the vine, we need that friendship with Jesus. We need that friendship with one another as well. And I think it's important to distinguish that one or the other doesn't do. We need both. I have seen so many people latch onto a church community because they feel loved, they feel safe, they feel that belonging. But if they constantly hold Jesus at arm's length while they do that, they will never see the true transformation of their heart and their life that comes from his grace. But sadly, in this day and age, I think we're all seeing more and more people walk away from the church. They say, I'm cool with Jesus. I think Jesus is a great guy, but I cannot stand his friends. I no longer want to be a part of it. But after not long, too, so many of them fall away from Christ or they find themselves being swept around by any breeze that comes to bear. Years ago, I was mentoring a young girl who had been a part of the church for a long time. She felt safe. She felt loved there. But she was really, really new to having a faith of her own. And I was trying to disciple her to this place where she could see for herself the true encouragement and empowering that comes from having both. And week after week went by and we would discuss and we'd read the Bible and we'd pray. And, and, you know, I knew it it hadn't hit home. 
She'd still rock up. She would go home. She'd come back the next week and tell me about a really poor decision that she'd made. And we were walking out the journey. I'll never, ever forget, though, the day she walked in and she sat down with some of the books we'd been looking at and her Bible. And she just looked so sheepish. She just had that look on her face like, I can't believe I didn't get it earlier. She said, I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I walk around throughout my day and I want to sing worship music. She was really musical. I find myself spending all this time with the Lord. I'm still coming to church, but even that feels different. Now I've got that connection to him. She saw a click. She saw the encouragement and the strengthening that comes from being in the vine, but also being with the other branches as well. Giving time and attention to Jesus, but also to one another matters so much. Remembering our place on the vine and responding to Jesus with love and obedience, with service is is the only thing that makes sense and we truly understand his love and his grace to us. John 15 is a beacon of hope for each one of us, hoping to be fruitful on our front lines. Whether you are a stay-at-home parent or a banker or a teacher or a student or a builder, John is showing us that even though Jesus might be physically absent from our day-to-day life, spiritually abiding in him will see fruit born in our lives. As we respond to Jesus' love and his gifts in our life, we will be spurred onto friendship, life-changing, life-giving friendship with him and with our brothers and sisters as well. And as you, as my brothers and sisters in the faith here at Windsor Road, finish this sermon series, at least, on frontline ministry, but continue on in your projects, I know you can take heart that this is the vine on which you abide, where there will be fruit, there will be love, there will be growth, where Jesus promises joy that's complete and answered prayer. He promises also that you will not be alone that you are closer to him than we can ever fully grasp and that we are gifted with a family in the faith that's on the same journey in a different context, that we can lift one another up and encourage each other afresh day to day. As we look at how we might kind of take this truth, how do we bring it into our week, bring it into our lives and really soak in it to see some change, I wanted to return to the life of Susanna Wesley again. The favorite thing that I learned about her when I was reading about her story was that whenever she needed a moment to stop and pray and sort of reset, she obviously had a lot of trouble doing so between 10 children and all the day-to-day jobs that she had. And so what she would do was no matter where she was, she would lift up her kitchen apron and hide underneath it. And the kids knew apparently if if mum was under her apron, don't go in. That, That is her time with the Lord. And I just wonder what God said to her under that apron in her kitchen or in the children's room. If that was where he told her to start those Sunday school lessons. If that was where he spoke to her lessons about showing patience to her children or grace to her husband, whatever it might have been. But I'm sure it was those kinds of moments that helped her to remain with Jesus, to abide in that vine, to love her children, her community, and to give her all to everything that God was directing her to do. And so I wondered if this week, and in the weeks to come, we could try to gather as many Menno minutes as possible. 
I'm calling them meno minutes because alliteration often helps and you'll all feel like very clever Greek scholars. We now know that meno is that remaining and that abiding. Just like Susanna under her apron trying to just steal those moments wherever we can to turn our attention to Jesus. Remember who we are as a friend and a servant in the kingdom of God. There are these little bags up on the front table here with these tiny little red stones in them that you can take home to help you as a prompt if it might do so. It obviously represents you as a little red dot of faith out in a sea of grey dots like in the videos and studies that you've seen in the weeks that have come to pass. You might want to put it on your desk where you'll see it throughout the day or by the kitchen sink if you're at home. You might want to take a photo of it and make it your phone background screensaver if you can't carry something around with you throughout the day. Whatever you need to do, though, to just gather those moments to abide, to remember your connection to the vine, to remember your brothers and sisters that are living and serving throughout their day. I think we can gather a little moment far more often than we think we can. And I tried to do this throughout the week and the lead up to today. And God did so much in my heart in those short spaces of time. There were moments of correction when he needed to steer me away from insecurity or harshness. There were words of encouragement dropped into my heart for friends where I could shoot them a message or give them a call on my way home. But I was also just so deeply encouraged to remember the grace, to remember the strength and the love that comes from being in the vine that is Jesus. And so my prayer for each one of you is that you would find some of that blessing in those moments, abiding as you remain in the vine and that you can take those blessings from those quiet moments into your front lines strengthened and ready to see beautiful things as you're empowered by the presence of the Lord. Because this abiding has power, remaining in Jesus brings fruit. And I pray that each one of us here today would be filled afresh with the reality of Jesus' love and his friendship towards us and the friendship we can have with one another as we live our lives on this mission. I would, I would love to pray a prayer, a prayer of blessing over you, and, and then I have a prayer that we can read together that will be up on the, the slides, but would you just join with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this community. I thank you for these branches on the vine, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your stability, for your life-giving joy and fruit and peace. And we just want to stop and rest now and remember that love. Remember the friendship you offer us. Remember the peace you have given us. Jesus, we thank you so much that when we go out into this world, when we go out on mission, we're not alone. We have you by our side. We have a family in the faith to uplift us and to help us. As we continue to show attention to you and love to you, you will grow us. You will fix our eyes on you, and we can partner with you as we go on our way. Lord, I pray that this community here at Windsor Road would have more beautiful stories of eyes filled with tears and prayers that people didn't even know they wanted to pray answered as they go out to bless their community. And Lord, would those people come to know you? Would it be one small step towards you as they go on their way? Would you just pray this prayer with me? We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of this community. 
We commend one another to you on our different front lines. Wherever we are, whatever we do, whoever we are, may the Holy Spirit guide us in all things so that we may do God's will in the world in the service of Jesus Christ and with great joy. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.